You're listening to Outlaws and Gunslingers, the only podcast covering all of America's infamous criminals, from the Wild West to the Mafia, all the way up to the ruthless street gangs of today. Brought to you exclusively by the Creative Control Network. Here are your hosts, the Mouthy Michiganders, Bang and Dang. Welcome back to Outlaws and Gunslingers Bang and Dang here for another edition of your true crime fix here. There, man. There, man. We're making uh, some of the biggest waves seen out there, man. Right, seen out there, man. Some of the biggest waves that are out there. Man. I don't know. This one might be a little short one. It's going to be a fun episode. It's gonna be, we're going to have a great time. <laughs> have a great time. Hopefully. It's really good stuff. Hopefully you guys will enjoy this. You know, and just, you know, just... I mean, that's what we do here, guys. We just bring stuff out, uh, content that our listeners could enjoy, man. It's fun. You know, the thousands of them and, you know, you know, man. I mean, we're making some of the biggest waves that are out there, man. Right. With that being said, we (laughs) are on to another episode. On to the next one. On to the next one. And we're back in the um, bank robbery uh, category of outlaws and gunslingers. This one being in the 60s, if you believe it or not. I guess banks still get robbed. Of course. But um, it's going to be probably going to be a short one, not too long, I would imagine. Um, I never heard of these guys before, but the FBI heard of them because they took them down. They're talking about Albert Nussbaum. (laughs) Nussbaum. Nussbaum. (laughs) And Bobby Wilcoxon um, robbed a couple banks in the 60s, went on the run, and then all that good stuff. You know what usually happens in these episodes. Right. When Nussbaum was born in Buffalo, New York, in the late 50s, he was arrested for possessing a... Thompson machine gun, Tommy gun, and transporting unregistered weapons across state lines. So you can do it registered across state lines? Why not? I don't know. He was uh, sentenced to the Federal Reformatory at Chillicothe, Chillicothe, Ohio, and supposedly was extremely intelligent. Aren't they all? Aren't they all? Aren't they all? He regularly competed in top-tier chess tournaments by correspondence from his Ohio jail cell. Okay. By correspondence. Right. So somebody would be like, well, he moved to E... Three, he's right. like, we'll move the horse to F6. Right. Right. Uh, he was also an expert photographer, a locksmith, a gunsmith, a pilot, as well as an accomplished airplane mechanic, Ooh. a welder, and a draftsman. Hey, <laughs> this guy could do it all. He's the jack of trades. Jack of all trades. Technical drawing, a draftsman. Yeah, so he drafted up blueprints and stuff. Mm-hmm. What is that saying? A jack of all trades, but a master of none? Master of none. But it's often better than... Um, Most. A master <laughs> of one. Right. Right. I mean... Uh, I was at the Federal Reformatory at Chillicothe, 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 sure. uh, that he would meet his bank robber buddy, Bobby Wilkinson, and Bobby later accomplice, Wilkinson. Peter Curry. And later accomplice, Peter Curry. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, we're going we're gonna to start off with Bobby Randall Wilkinson. Was Will born, Coxon. Right. Was born 10th of July, 1929 in Duke, Oklahoma. Duke. He was well-respected as an efficient crew foreman in the lettuce fields of the Salinas Valley in California. Salinas. Salinas. from Salinas. Hang it on my wall. (laughs) Because he spoke Spanish and intimidated laborers (laughs) in Spanish. (laughs) He was respected as efficient because he spoke Spanish and intimidated laborers? What does it got to do with efficient? Mm -hmm. Efficient crew foreman. So I guess everybody was like, you got to listen to Bobby. Mm. Once he starts speaking in Spanish. Got to listen to Bobby, Holmes. He worked in the produce business in Colorado, New Mexico, and Texas. Mm. Wilcoxon also worked as a house painter. 
Oh, geez. Service station Interior attendant. decorator, if you know right. what I mean. Right. right. And he pumped gas and cleaned your windshield at a service station. Uh, also, he sold you that piece of shit car that he's pumping your gas with. <laughs> reminds me of uh, Abby Abby. Gilmore. <laughs> I was a gas station attendant. <laughs> a plumber. Right. So, uh, yeah, so he was a used car salesman. And then he was like, I'm done with this. I want to be a pro criminal. <laughs> he, said, he said he walked out of the uh, car salesman thing. He was like, guys, I'm turning pro. <laughs> turning pro, guys. Pro, I want criminal. 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 Criminality. <laughs> Within a year of leaving Chillicoth, Nussbaum and Wilcoxon hooked up in Buffalo with a plan to rob banks. Uh, hmm. The FBI would eventually label Nussbaum the brains of the team while Wilcoxon was marked as the brawn. Right. They knocked over a few local stores and service stations in Buffalo to raise. Just to warm up. To raise seed money for an arsenal of weapons they would soon use robbing banks. So they took donations. <laughs> Pretty much. I'll take your donation. Thank you. Kindly. Nussbaum and One-Eye Wilcoxon allegedly robbed, I guess his name is One-Eye Wilcoxon now. And they they thought, brought that up finally. Right. Allegedly robbed at least eight banks from 1960 to 62, hauling in at least 250000 Roughly equivalent to two point eight million as of two thousand eight. So nice. uh, probably about three point two million nowadays. Or maybe two point five. Yeah, right. Nussbaum and Wilcoxon acquired deactivated military military military. Matillery. This is as bad as uh <laughs> the hell was it in the uh, oh. or the Civil War episode. <gasps> oh yeah. Uh, kill kill yeah. Kilpatrick. 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 Anyway, they acquired deactivated military weapons called DWATs. DWATs. With parts they acquired by mail order, they refurbished the weapons to brand new. So you, could, you could get parts from mail to fix deactivated military weapons? I suppose you could. There, right? Okay. Their cachet of munitions included revolvers, shotguns, submachine guns, hand grenades, M1 carbine military rifles and military style armor piercing anti tank guns that could annihilate, 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 what the hell? <laughs> annihilate. <laughs> annihilate pursuing police cars or pierce bank vaults. Uh, yeah, he's got the hell of an arsenal there. These boys got some. Wow. Uh, Nussbaum taught himself to make pipe bombs circa CM Punk. Uh, he and Wilcoxon posed as mad bombers, Uh-oh. quote unquote. You can't do that. Uh, setting off two bombs in Washington, D.C. on June 15th and 16th in 1961. Dang, they did it two days in a row in the nation's capital. Mm-hmm. Wow. They made several telephone calls pretending to be Southern white supremacists bombing capital <laughs> and protests of in- integration and the civil rights movement. Uh-huh. The bombings were planned to distract law enforcement and p- manpower near the White House so a Washington, D.C. bank could be easily robbed on there June 30th. You go. Although two bombs were set off successfully, there was a third bomb that failed to detonate, and the FBI lifted Nussbaum's fingerprints from it. Oh, no. Still, the pair went ahead and robbed the bank anyways. Nussbaum. I thought he was smart. Right. Use gloves. gloves, dude. Jeez. Jeez. He's got to know, too, when it didn't go off. He's like, he's probably like, damn it. Dang, I'm not even going to say anything to Wilcoxon. (laughs) We'll we'll still rob this bank. Get the money and get out of here. Right, right, right. right. Mm -hmm. 15th December, 1961. Curry, the aforementioned, aforementioned, the beforementioned, right? Aforementioned. Aforementioned. Yes. Foreshadowing. Aforementioned. Aforementioned. Afore. Anyway, the guy we talked about <laughs> earlier, Curry, <laughs> joined Wilcoxon and Nussbaum to rob a branch of the Lafayette National Bank in Brooklyn. Oh, they're going to Brooklyn, huh? Boys going down to Brooklyn. Wilcoxon entered the bank and killed guard Henry Cross with four quick shots from a Thompson machine gun. Dang, I Done. And fleeing customer alerted police. Do, 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 do. They're gonna kill the guard, but just let do, the guy do. run out of the bank and. Well, yeah, they needed to. They needed to kill the uh, 
guard because he had a gun. Right. But then let that guy run out of the bank. I mean, what are you going to do, man? Kill him. Yes. But they didn't. Right. Well, anyway, the fleeing customer alerted police. Wilcoxon got into a gun battle with one officer who was wounded, but he survived. Oh, good for him. All three criminals got away. Barely. But Curry was arrested in front of his mother's house by the FBI in February of 1962. So just a few oh, a short months, months later. later yeah. He told the FBI that he knew about Nussbaum's and Wilcoxon. <laughs> of course. <laughs> and led them to the countryside in Buffalo, where the pair had hidden a massive cache of weapons. The FBI named Wilcoxon to the famous Most Wanted list, February 23rd, 1962. Then added Nussbaum, April 3rd, 1962. Whole two months later, Wilcoxon was the one that killed the guy. Yeah, but they had his fingerprints, Nussbaum's. Maybe, did they, though? Mm-hmm. He's the one that was on the bomb. Yeah, but maybe oh, that's true. His fingerprints were already uh, in the system from him going to prison, so right. like they couldn't know who they were. Right. Right. The FBI circulated over one million wanted posters <laughs> and interviewed over nine thousand in New York State alone. Dang, they went strong on this one. Yeah, I know, right? The FBI declared the bandits as dangerous, warning mm. the pair were armed with hand grenades and twenty-five submachine guns. Oh no! How do you? 25. How do you? I don't, I don't think they're carrying twenty-five machine guns on them. Right. Uh, they will not hesitate to open fire. The posters warned. Ask the uh, cop and the security guard, and they'll tell you. I don't know if the security guard made it. No, he died. He died. Yeah. The cop lived. When rumors placed the robbers in Canada and the United Kingdom, the Canadian Royal Mounted Police was like, "Hey," <laughs> <laughs> and the Bobbies of Scotland Yard joined the manhunt. Uh oh, they're called Bobbies. Yeah. Six hundred FBI agents searched worldwide for Nussbaum, Wilcoxon, and Wilcoxon's nineteen-year-old paramour, right. paramour girlfriend, uh, Jacqueline Ruth Rose of Paoli, Indiana, Ooh, and Delray uh, Beach, Florida, double home. Dang, bitch. Dang, he got a country girl from Indiana. Hmm. Mm. Delray Beach, that sounds hick. Right. <laughs> the two men, along with Jackie Rose, Jackie Moon, became national fugitives and were forced into hiding. Yes, they were. They began using aliases and wearing disguises. Why wouldn't Still, they? they committed three more robberies. Nice. I mean, you can when you got somebody else's name and, and got uh, glasses and a... Right, and you got the uh, fake mustache and all right. that stuff. Right, uh, Humpty Dumpty. <laughs> Get a Humpty Dumpty. Get a Humpty Dump. Right? What are those glasses called? Do the pants, do the pants, do the Humpty Bounce. That's what talking about. Dumpty Dumpty. Do the Humpty Dumpty. All right, something like that. What? <laughs> There's no such thing. There's it on the ground. There's no... Oh. Do the Humpty Dumpty or some shit like that, wasn't it? Well, these guys, uh... There's no song called the Humpty Dumpty. Yeah. Do the Humpty Dump or something like that. Nah, man. Do the Humpty Hump. Do the Humpty Hump. No. Humpity Hump. Is it the Humpty Hump? Yeah, those guys. The Humpty Dance. You know who the da- background dancers are for yeah. this? Toothpick and somebody else. Toothpick. <laughs> do the hump the hump. Do the do, do the hump the hump. <laughs> oh, dude, it doesn't have those glasses on. <laughs> How do you remember this? <laughs> the video, anyway. Easily. I've probably seen it this many years ago. <laughs> Do the hump to dance. I think that's how it goes, yeah. Dang. <laughs> 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 
Dance to that dance to the back of dance, right? Do the hump the dump thing. Do the hump the dump thing, right? Do the hump the hump. Apparently the hump the hump. <laughs> oh, that's because he's falling. All right. <laughs> All right, good stuff, guys. <laughs> the Humpty Hump. Yeah, digity on the ground. All right, do the Humpty Hump. Digity on the ground. Digity, digity, digity fidgety. Yeah, they committed three more robberies doing right. the Humpty Hump. <laughs> <sighs> 4th of November, 1962. Nuzbaum's mother-in-law informed the FBI that Nuzbaum was in Buffalo to secretly visit his wife and infant daughter. Oh, can't do that, bud. <sighs> what do you expect me to do? You think they don't know? <laughs> Everybody knows. Karen. Karen. What? <laughs> you know why those guys go to prison? Because they want to. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> oh, poor, uh, poor George Young was so shocked when his mom said that. He was like, what? You? Oh. I don't know why he was so shocked. I had to do it. He's like, what? You motherfucker. Anyhow, where we at? They all know. They were talking. <laughs> Your son ain't no picnicker. <laughs> Your son ain't no something. What are you looking at, Mrs. Whatever? Really, Karen? Wasn't her name Karen in that, too? Yeah, really, Karen. <laughs> oh, shit. I never even put that two together. Ray Liotta and her are the same person, right? Isn't the mom? Um, I don't think she played the mom in uh, Goodfellas. Uh, yeah, she was the... The wife? Are you sure? Uh, yeah. Um. Oh, she was. Lauren Brokovich, right? Uh, Lauren um, Brockvich or something. Brockvich, I think. B-R-O-C-K-Vich. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's the same chick, right? And they're together in the movie. Both movies. Give me people. Trying to imply that his dad's Henry Hill. Right there. Rachel Griffiths. That's not her? Yes, it is. Is it? It's Ermin. That wasn't Karen. It was Ermin. Ermin Young. It was Ermin. Ermin. It's not her. Yeah. No, I think that's the girl he married. Oh, no, yes. Isn't that the girl that he married? No. That's Barbara. Penelope Cruz. No, Barbara. Yeah, and Barbara. No, that's her. No. Yes. Ermine. Ermin. Blow mom. Oh. Calls police. There right. we go. I had to. Oh, okay. Yeah, she looks like him. She looks like her, though. Of course. He sees that shit. He's like, fuck. Broke his dad's heart. Oh, yeah. Not Breaking his check. dad's heart. I, I had, had no, no choice. choice. Like, what? It was you, Ermin. Irma. Irma. I always thought he said Irma. She seems so stiff. <laughs> For your own good. <laughs> I gotta take a look around the neighborhood. Oh, I'm gonna do it. <laughs> okay, Irvine. She's, so, she's so stiff in that movie. I thought it was the other chick that played Karen in uh, what you call it. Hmm. Anyway, 4th of November 1962, <laughs> Nussbaum's mother-in-law informed the FBI the Nussbaum was in Buffalo visiting his wife and daughter. More than 30 FBI cars surrounded the Statler Hilton Hotel. 
1 a.m., 4th of November. Come in the late night. Right. Nussbaum arrived. Criminals enjoy their sleep. They, they, they don't even sleep that late. Well, that's true. Nussbaum arrived and expecting to pick up his wife, Alicia. Alicia? Alicia. Yep. Somehow signaled her husband and he raced out of the hotel parking lot, leading a parade of FBI agents on a 100 mile an hour chase through the cold, wet streets of Buffalo. A police dog catcher rammed Nussbaum's cart. Dang, they got the old. A police dog catcher? Dog coppers. He's dog catcher. <laughs> Wait, a police dog catcher? Wait, he, he. They had dog catchers. The police were dog catchers back in the day? <laughs> Or he, or he was a, uh, he was a police dog catcher. (laughs) 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 He he makes, he tries to steal the dogs from. Yeah. Apparently it was a dog catcher uh, truck, but it was a police version of it. (laughs) Maybe they'd use them like take out the dogs for criminals or something, you know? They they have that big a problem with dogs in uh, Buffalo in 1962. (laughs) Maybe. Wow. Anyway, the police dog catcher rammed Nussbaum's car and the FBI arrested him. By May 1963, Nussbaum pleaded guilty to the murder of bank guard Kraus and seven bank remodelers. <laughs> what? <laughs> Wait, Nussbaum didn't kill him? <sighs> thought Wilcoxon did. I thought so too. Right. For sure, Wilcoxon fired on the cop, right? Yeah, because Wilcoxon was added to the list first. Wilcoxon entered the bank and killed guard hand. Yeah. Right. So why the hell Nussbaum? I guess he's an accomplice, right? Right. So guilty by Soch. By May 1963, Nussbaum's pleaded guilty to the murder of Bank Guard Cross and seven bank robberies. February 8th, 1964. So two years after the robbery. Almost. Three years. Uh, Nussbaum was sentenced to 40 years in prison with eligibility of parole. 1971. That's not bad. Right. So you can do, what, eight years? Right, it'd be good. Mid-morning on November 10th, 1962, Wilcoxon and Rose came out of their rented home Seven. in Baltimore, uh, where they encountered a swarm of 30 FBI agents. Ooh. To avoid a death sentence, Wilcoxon pleaded guilty to eight bank robberies and the murder of Kraus. Yep. He was sentenced to life in prison on April of 1964 with eligibility <laughs> uh, eligibility for parole in 1979. Right. Life in prison and still can get out on parole for murdering somebody in 1979? You know he's going to. Yeah, but he's, he gets to get out way after uh, oh, oh. eight years. He was the one that pulled the trigger, so... Wilcoxon went to the United States Penitentiary in Atlanta, Georgia on March 3rd, 1964. This dude's doing 15 years, mm-hmm. guaranteed. On July 11th, 1980, he was transferred to the United States Penitentiary in Leavenworth. Hey, he was transferred? Well, so he didn't even get parole in 79, huh? Oh, in 80. Oh. Wilcoxon was paroled to Chattanooga. That's in Tennessee, folks. Damn. They, they, they choose where to send him? Like, okay. not even from Chattanooga. Yeah, so they're like, we're, we're going to go to Chattanooga. Him. He's like, here. Wilcoxon, you take this dart, throw it at that map, bud. <laughs> Why? Because that's where you're going. He was trying to hit New York, but it was a little right. low. Yeah. Oh, they took that so part out. <laughs> like, where's the East Coast? It's gone for you, bud. Uh, anyway, they paroled Wilcoxon in Chattanooga in early 1982. His freedom was short-lived, though. October 23rd, 1982. Robert Mosher, a chemical engineer of the DuPont Corporation, was moited. Uh. A piece of plastic tarp and 10 inches of a mop handle were shoved. Oh, damn, were shoved down his throat. And a piece of plastic, uh, pl- a piece of plastic tarp? I wonder why he used the tarp. Shut him up? Right, and then just said he ain't shutting up, so just jammed it down. Or maybe right. he used the mop handle to jam it down there. It's possible, and he killed him. Well, jeez, that's a pretty... Uh, 
It's a terrible way, way to do that. You ain't kidding. Wilcoxon was indicted. Oh, no. Indicted! <laughs> for the homicide on 19th of December, 1985. <laughs> oh, poor guy. Only so was out years for three later. years. Come on, dude. He was convicted on the 1st of November, 1986, in the Hamilton County, Tennessee Criminal Court of First Degree Murder for killing that long? It's so stupid. Robert Marshall. It was almost a year before he was convicted. It's so right. dumb. So get the shit over with. It's stupid. Mosher's wife, Evelyn, allegedly hired Wilcoxon to murder her husband. Oh, okay. Murder her husband so she could collect life insurance benefits of $209,000. Oh, wow. Evelyn oh. Mosher never paid Wilcoxon. Oh, really? She was convicted for contracting contracting the murder of her husband and received a life sentence as well. Oh. Wilcoxon was sentenced to death by electrocution on February 13, 1987. Ooh. In 1999, his death sentence was reversed on appeal for ineffective legal representation. So they sent him to, sentenced him to death in 1987, but he was still alive 12 years later. Oh, bizarre, man. <laughs> Uh, while awaiting an appeal of his conviction, Bobby Randall Wilcoxon died of natural causes on December 9, 2006 at the age of 77 while in the custody of the Tennessee Department of Corrections. So this dude just lived his whole life in prison. In prison. Wow. Um, he was still awaiting his appeal. His death sentence, death sentence reversed, and then he repealed again. That's stupid that rep- appeals take that long, too, dude. Right. It's five years Another, for an appeal. And then and when you were like, oh, I'm sorry, you didn't do it. Or something like that. You and know, there's that, 40 years he's right. gone, right? How many people have been in prison for, heard that story millions of times? Mm-hmm. And it's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Well, while well, running to the FBI, well, he's not, running not from, <laughs> he was running from the FBI. They're, they're in a field. run to you. It's always the music on Narrow Children. When Al Bundy's always in the slow yeah. motion. Yeah. Running for tickets or whatever. Yeah, man. Well, running for tickets. <laughs> well, running from the FBI, Nussbaum bought himself a portable typewriter and presented himself as a writer. Isn't every typewriter portable? Right. Now some of them are super, really, really heavy. So he uh, he was like, "I am a writer." <laughs> he, I am Nussbaum. Right. He read The Name of the Game is Death, a mystery crime novel by Dan J. Marlowe, a popular pulp fiction writer of the day. Nussbaum, using the name Carl Fisher, and you always got a pen name, man, so. Fisher with a C-H. Right. Yeah, so that's his pen name, Carl Fisher, called Marlowe's agent and sent Marlowe letters praising the realness of the book. Marlowe and Nussbaum remained friends while Nussbaum was in prison. Oh, good, good for him getting right. friends in the joint. Hmm. Marlowe encouraged Nussbaum to write, and the two often collaborated. Hey. Nussbaum provided Marlowe with professional criminal techniques that added even more realism to Marlowe's body of work. Dang. Well, good for him. Nice. While still in prison, Nussbaum began contributing to the Montreal-based film magazine Take One. Okay. In 1976, the magazine featured him in full-page advertisements, The Pros and Con of Take One. Hey, the pros and con. <laughs> right. Nice. I like it. Nussbaum was paroled in the 1970s. And lived with Marlowe, serving as a caretaker when Marlowe took ill. Uh, Nussbaum wrote a lot, publishing as Albert Nussbaum, and under at least a half a dozen pseudonyms, including Carl Martin, Albert Avellano, A.F. Orenschnick, and Albert N. Martin. Alberto and Martin. I can have a last name Martin, but your first name Alberto. <laughs> Alberto Martin. That's it. Where's the S? It's Alberto Martin. Martin. <laughs> Carl Martin. <laughs> Alberto. Carl Martin. <laughs> and 
Anyhow, he specialized in mystery, crime, and adventure stories. Of course he would. Mm. I'm surprised there's no romance in there. I'm sure every single one of them are. Right. I'm stupid. That's how I'm checking it. Right. He published many short stories that appeared in Ellery Queen's Mystery Magazine, Alfred Hitchcock's, Hitchcock's, Alfred Hitchcock's Mystery Magazine, and Alfred, Alfred, <laughs> what the freak? <laughs> and Alfred Hitchcock's Anthology. Oh, good for him. Look at him. He's getting an Alfred Hitchcock. <laughs> <laughs> just, just stop. <laughs> <laughs> He's getting an old Alfred's books. <laughs> Alfred Hitchcock. There Hitchcock. we go. Uh, uh, not <laughs> you say Hitchcock five times fast? Hitchcock, 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 <laughs> Hitchcock, Hitchcock. And turn into Hiscock. <laughs> Hiscock, <What>? Hiscock, Hiscock. <laughs> <laughs> Nussbaum uh, published several novels, Gypsy being the most well-known. It was published by Scholastic Press under Ooh, the title Scholastic. Motorcycle Racer. In the mid-'70s, Nussbaum wrote television scripts for Switch, which was a CBS crime series featuring Robert Wagner and Eddie Albert. Yeah, man, Switch. Uh, in the 1980s, Nussbaum put on workshops for mystery writers at USC, and he was elected president of the Southern California chapter of the Mystery Writers of America. Do they even know this guy's a murderer? I'm sure they do. Albert Frederick Nussbaum died in 1996 at the age of 61, and that's where his... Damn, 61? Poor guy. And that's where his story ends, but at least he got out and uh, made something of himself, right? Yeah, man, good stuff for him. Decided not to rob anymore and loved writing. If it I mean, wasn't if it wasn't for uh, reaching out to old Dan J. Marlowe and Marlowe being a weird guy, like, yeah, random prisoner, I'll take friends with you. Just think if he was uh, interested in writing when he was younger. Right? Could have just avoided the life crime altogether. Life of crime altogether. Or maybe avoided. he wouldn't have been good at mystery writing. Right. He'll and know, he crime would. writing because yeah. he wouldn't have known the ins and outs. Yeah, he would have wrote you about know? colors of flowers or something then. That'd be pretty boring. Right. Flowers. Flowers. I Some flowers are blue. I seen a red flower today. <laughs> Not the red that you think. It was a weird <laughs> looking more red. Of a, right. More of a scarlet red. Right. With a little dab of yellow in the middle. Not sure how I felt about it. <laughs> <laughs> I still don't know. I have an overwhelming sense of sadness come over me. But I do know one thing. I'd like to see that flower again. <laughs> 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 yeah, good for uh, Nussbaum. Right, Nussbaum. Not so good for Wilcox. No. And what happened to Perry? Uh, Curry. Or Curry. <laughs> Curry, he was just arrested. Right. We don't he's, know about that guy. He's really never part of this story. Right. Except for he's the reason why the uh, FBI found right. who they did. But, yeah. you know, ah, nice little short one for you guys. What are you going to do, right? Probably about hmm. half hour-ish, maybe. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they Somewhere can't all be like next week's or like the last week's D.B. Cooper, two parts. And next week episode will be pr- at least two parts. Hey, man, they all can't be home runs, uh, bud. I, like Got to hit a double here. Double, right? Were you born on third base? Mm-mm. I was born halfway between third and home. Mm. United States Airline Flight 629 bombing is our next week's episode, yeah. which took place November 1st, 1955. And this is a pretty messed up story. This once is actually we get a, into it. a bombing. It is a bombing. Um, not No survivors. Let's just put it that way. But right. uh, pretty, 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 pretty long story. Everything to be... Everything about the investigation and everything else afterwards, we will cover it as we usually do. That's at usually least, at least can we could stretch it into a one parter if we do like an hour and a half, hour forty five minute episode. But nobody wants. That. I don't think anybody's going to want to listen to an hour forty five minutes. We're not Joe Rogan. Um, yeah, we talking about that's just for the first quarter of his show. I know <laughs> that's a, that's next week's episode, and I think we have a couple more coming down the pipeline here. Maybe do something on the Watergate. Got a lot. Right. 
or stuff. There's so many bank robberies and heists and right. all that stuff in the 80s and 90s, and you still got gangs and all that. There's oh, so man. much stuff to do here on um, Outlaws and Gunslingers. If you guys are interested in the Civil War and American history and stuff like that, you can go check out our other podcast. Same thing on, you're getting here, bud. Pretty much on the Bang Dang Network called the Battles of the American Civil War, where you 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 know what the title says. We go through every battle of the American Civil War from first to last, and yeah, Battles of the American Civil War. From first to last, um, Sumter to whatever the last battle was. Can't remember what it was. But uh, yeah, but we're going up to Bull Run. We are almost up to Bull Run. Mm-hmm. We got about eight battles in. We got about eight more battles before Bull Run, and then it all sets off. Eighteen sixty-one. It's not that many battles, but then we get to eighteen sixty-two, sixty-three, sixty-four, sixty-five. Uh, we just, get some murder. Just every day, multiple battles in multiple states on the same day. Stuff happening all over the place. Right now, the Union doesn't seem to know how to get their shit together in the early stages of the war, and they're getting dominated by the Confederates all throughout years, uh, 1861, actually. Right. Yeah, that's what we're leading up to. Battle of Bow Run, Battles of the American Civil War, and who cares about multi Michigan? I mean, um, why do I always say that? (laughs) Monday Night Wars Along, wrestling, Monday Night Wars Along. If you like wrestling, go check that out. And Lee and Corey on the case. Over All over on the Bang Dang Network. Just look up Bang Dang Network for all of our podcasts, and we will see you next week for... The bombing of United Airlines Flight 629 with Mouth Michiganders with Bang Dang.